Well, it was a day to celebrate in Ukraine, a day to reflect here at home. Ukraine's bid to join the European Union, one of the country's key diplomatic and economic objectives, moving it further away from Russia's sphere is one step closer to reality tonight. The EU has agreed to make Ukraine a candidate for membership, setting in motion a potentially long process. Still, it's reached this point very quickly. Ukraine applied for membership of the 27-nation bloc less than a week after Moscow's invasion on February the 24th. But first, here at home, Home. Today is National Day of Remembrance for Victims of Terrorism to mark the 37th anniversary of the bombing of Air India Flight 182. An explosion brought that plane down, if you remember, back to 1985 off the coast of Ireland on June 23rd, 1985, killing all 329 people on board, the vast majority Canadian citizens. Two more people died when a bomb destined for another Air India flight exploded and killed two baggage handlers at Narita Airport in Japan. It remains the deadliest terrorist attack in Canadian history. It was the deadliest on record before 9-11. Authorities believe the bomb was planted by six separatists. Now, vigils will be held in several cities tonight, including in Vancouver. There's a memorial, of course, to uh, those who died in Stanley Park, also in Toronto and Montreal and elsewhere. Joining me now with more is Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray, the former Premier of Ontario, also led an inquiry into the Air India attack. Thank you for your time tonight. Thank you, Ben. Good to talk to you. 37th anniversary today of the Air India bombing. Um, just your thoughts. I know this is something that's very close to you. Yeah, it had a big impact on me when I, I was asked by uh, uh, Prime Minister Martin back in 2005 to, to try to help the government sort out how it would uh, respond to the court decision, which acquitted two individuals who'd been charged. And that would have been a long, long trial. And uh, as a result of that, uh, the, uh, the, the, he, the, Mr. Martin concluded and then Mr. Harper concluded, but because he won the election soon after, that there should be a broader public inquiry, which, uh, which uh, took a couple of years to do. But I wrote a report called Lessons to be Learned and spent a lot of time talking with the families, together with Talib Nur Muhammad, who's uh, now an MP, but in, in that, at that time, Talib was my was my assistant uh, working on uh, on the report that we wrote and also doing a lot of work on building the memorials for for the families in uh, in Vancouver and and uh, uh, Toronto and Montreal and Ottawa uh, and really trying to build a, a stronger awareness in Canada as to what had actually happened and why it was important for Canadians to embrace this as a as a Canadian event because for the longest time I think we externalized it we tried to pretend that it was somebody else's problem it had nothing to do with Canada but the, as I said in my report that the, the conspiracy started in Canada the bomb was built in Canada it was put on a plane in Canada and the vast majority of the people who were killed on the plane were Canadian citizens so, uh, you know, it's not going to work to say, well, this was an Indian issue or an issue about Indian politics. You say, well, actually, it, it directly involved uh, Canadians and in a very, very direct and, and powerful way. And I think a lot of a lot of the families felt very, very strongly that. And I think they still feel very strongly um, uh, because I keep in touch with them that uh, th this event has still not been sufficiently recognized by Canadians and understood by Canadians as as something that's happened to us. 
I was going to ask you about that. I mean, the challenge, I suppose, is with the passage of time, the memory fades even further, despite efforts to, 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 to the opposite. Have we, have we done enough in the past decades to try to make sure that Canadians are aware of, of this horrific event and, and who, was, who, were the vict- who the victims were and why? I think we've done more than we did before, but I still think we can do more now. I still think there's there's more to be done um, in in fully embracing the the Canadianness of this of this ter- terrible event. Um, I think it makes a lot of some people shouldn't say a lot, but I think some people um, uncomfortable uh, because they they feel that. It's it's really it's really more about uh, politics in India than it is about politics or events in Canada, but I think that's that denies the the reality that um, over many many generations uh, many people of, of of Indian origin have made have made Canada their home, and that this has inevitably drawn Canada into. Uh, into this issue, just as we're brought into conflicts in Europe, uh, we're going to be talking momentarily about Ukraine. Uh, uh, you know, there isn't an issue going on in the world where you can't say, "Well, we're 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 actually this is this is part of a global issue, but it's also become a Canadian issue." How did World War One become a Canadian issue? Well, because Canadians felt completely tied up in what uh, their ancestors and cousins and brothers and sisters in all over Europe were, were getting involved in. And this is a similar issue. Um, considering that it's it's highly likely that justice justice may never well be served in this case, uh, what must then be the lasting legacy of the Air India bombing for Canada? Uh, I think the lasting legacy, I mean, we don't know what the course of justice will be. The, the, I think the, the, the conclusion that both I came to and Judge Major came to was that uh, some of the people involved in the conspiracy have served time in Canada. Um, the bomb maker served time in Canada. He never uh, confessed and he never uh, gave evidence against anyone else. Um, but he but he was charged and convicted and spent time, quite a lot of time in, in prison as a result of what he did. Um, but the actual other members of the conspiracy have, have not been have not been tried and charged. Although we th- we think we know who some of them are, and one of them in particular is was named by Judge Major was named in my report, um, and uh, that person is is now is now deceased. I think the most important thing is what I what I've been talking about, and that is the more we can get Canadians to embrace the fact that. Um, Violent conflict uh, took a lot of civilian lives in Canada and that we weren't really prepared as a country to understand the extent to which uh, foreign conflicts, if you like, can quickly become domestic issues. Uh, And that's that's part of what it means to be living in the modern world. I think the Americans had to come to terms with it in 9-11. Uh, many other countries, uh, the British have been dealing with the conflict because of the Irish conflict for many, many years. And, of course, many parts of Europe, uh, similarly, it, these issues have come home or come into their countries. 
But this is a reality for Canada. And I think it's exceptionally, if we had learned the lessons properly about uh, what happened on June the 23rd, 1985, um, I don't think 9-11 would have happened. Because I think if we had paid attention to it and given voice to it in ways that, uh, frankly, I did and that Judge Major did in his very comprehensive report, uh, I think the other countries would have had to say, well, wait, and if we'd gone to other countries and said, look, this could happen to you, this is what you have to be aware of. Because many of the problems that we, 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 we identified in the, in the Air India situation, lack of cooperation between the RCMP and CSIS, failure to share important information, um, inability to, to move quickly with respect to people who were speaking um, other languages other than English, French, and some other languages where we were well prepared, and just a failure to move more quickly to deal with modern conflict as opposed to the historic Cold War conflicts between Russia and the uh, Soviet Union and, and, and the West. All those things were present in, 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 in that situation. We identified them, but only 20 years later and publicly began to make an issue of it. And the second one is this process of memorializing publicly and remembering. Um, we all remember November the 11th. Um, we all remember 9-11. Uh, we participated in 9-11. We had our own 9-11. We had June 23rd, 1985, Air India Flight 183, uh, which killed well over 300 people most of them Canadian citizens, all of them completely innocent civilians on a plane in the middle of the air um, early in the morning on, on, on June the 23rd. And we have to figure out how to really get that event and that situation, how more Canadians can embrace it and understand it. Um, I, I feel very strongly about it. I actually spoke at the United Nations about it today because I felt that it, today we were talking about the responsibility of governments to protect civilians um, as, a, as a broad issue in the UN and in the UN system and countries around the world. And I said, well, here's a classic example where, where we, Canada failed to protect its own citizens. We didn't protect citizens who were flying. This, all the systems that were designed to protect people broke down, didn't work. And uh, as I said in my report, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. And, and when that happens, you have, you have uh, innocent people being, uh, being turned into victims. And I think we have to, to do more to embrace, to embrace the families uh, and to embrace the, the people who suffered as a result. Speaking with Canada's ambassador to the United Nations, Bob Ray, uh, we've been speaking about the anniversary of the Air India attack today, June 23rd, the National Day of Remembrance for Victims of Terror in Canada. Uh, meantime, some big news out of Brussels today. Uh, the European Union has granted candidacy to Ukraine. Uh, just diplomatically, that would seem like, like a big move for the country uh, after four months of war. It's, it, uh, it's a boost I imagine Ukraine needs. Well, absolutely, because I think this conflict is, is partly about uh, the nature of Ukraine's future and its freedom to help to define its future. Um, having said that, I think it's, it's, it, it's also important for us a little bit of a cold shower of reality. The candidacy for the EU is different from being admitted into the EU. It's a long process, um, as many European leaders have, have said. Uh, it's a process that can be shortened and doesn't have to be as long as it has been made to be. But it, it, it is one where, where there's 
I think, a significant opportunity for the Europeans and for the Ukrainians in the process of the transition towards final membership uh, to really move more quickly to uh, help to integrate uh, Ukraine into the European economy. And this is a big deal. I mean, uh, you know, Ukraine still uses the Russian gauges on its on its railways. Uh, there's uh, lots of ways in which uh, trade is not as easy as it should be. Uh, quite apart from the, the conflict that uh, has been going on, the war that Russia has been waging against Ukraine. Uh, and I think in the context of that, of that fight, it's extremely important that, uh, that Ukraine be, uh, the, the economy of Ukraine has to be much more closely linked to that of the West and of Europe. And I think that's, the, that's not being imposed by Europe on Ukraine. That's a strong desire on the part of the Ukrainian people to do that. And uh, the more quickly that can happen and practical ways can be used to, uh, to help to, to, to defend Ukraine and, and uh, to rebuild Ukraine, uh, the better off we will be. And Canada will very much be a part of that, of that whole process. And that's, I think, very, very important for everyone to know. We're nearly four months into this war now. You've been very vocal about your thoughts on what's happening in Ukraine, Russia's actions. Uh, what's your assessment now, four months in? Have we done enough? to try to help Ukraine? Have we done enough to try to hold Russia to account? Well, I think we're doing a lot to hold them to account. I mean, the thing is, accountability mechanisms take a long, long time, uh, whether it's at the International Criminal Court or the International Court of Justice or other investigations that are ongoing. It's, it's a, that's, that's a challenge. Um, but I, I do think we are, we are putting, Canada is one of the leaders in putting a lot of time and attention into that question. On the on the defense of Ukraine, I think the, the harsh reality is no, we haven't. We haven't. When I say we, I don't mean just Canada. I mean, generally speaking, more has to be done uh, because Russia has made um, gains, whether they're permanent or temporary. Uh, time alone will tell. Uh, in the eastern part of the country, that the sort of the ring around the eastern borders of Ukraine, the Russians have extended them, and the fate of several cities uh, in, uh, the, in, in the east, in the southeast, and the center east, and the northeast of uh, Ukraine are still very much at stake. And uh, we know what happens when the, you know, what the Russians have done to, to conduct the war. They have destroyed cities. They destroyed the city of Mariupol, 400,000 people. They, they are going to do everything they can to destroy everything in, in their way. Uh, and uh, we don't even know uh, to what extent Russia wants to go further than that uh, in, its, in its military offensive. And I don't think we assume that uh, what Russia has bitten off is, is all that it wants. Um, and I, I think we have... Canada and everyone in the West has, has given a lot of uh, a lot of weaponry to Ukraine and a lot of defensive weaponry and a lot of assistance on training, a lot of assistance uh, in varieties of ways, uh, and billions of dollars have been expended. Um, but we need to understand that uh, in the current situation, um, U Ukraine is is still desperately in need of of additional ways in which it can defend itself and in which it can put itself in a stronger position from which to negotiate um, a conclusion to the war. Um, right now, there are no negotiations, and we're still struggling to get the port of Odessa opened 
and very intense negotiations and discussions are underway with uh, with Turkey and uh, with the many other countries involved, and particularly with Ukraine and Russia involved. And we still haven't seen the results of those. So there's still a lot of issues at stake here for for everyone, including, I mean, obviously, most importantly, for the people of Ukraine, but uh, for all of us. Aubrey, thank you so much for your time, as always. Good to talk to you, Ben, and take good care. Thank you so much for calling.